soul. Amen? Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team. Enjoyed the good worship tonight. Appreciate that. Praise God. All right. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's go tonight. You ready to get in the Word for a little bit this evening? Amen. Um, Let's go to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis this this evening, chapter 6, if you will. Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read a few verses there, and then we'll be going to Luke chapter 17, and then to 2 Peter chapter 2. Genesis chapter 6, Luke chapter 17, and 2 Peter chapter 2. And I want to talk to you tonight on the, on the thought, the subject of the approaching storm. The approaching storm. Genesis chapter number 6. And verse uh, number 5. Are you there? And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then in verse number, drop down to verse number 11, it says, the earth was also, also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now go with me to the Gospel of Luke, if you would, chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17. The words of the Lord Jesus in verse 26. Luke 17 and 26. If you have a red letter edition, these words are in red. They're the words of the Master. And as it was, he said, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Second Peter 
Second Peter chapter number two. Second Peter chapter number two. And let's read a few verses here of what Peter has to say along this same line. Second Peter chapter number two and verse number four. Peter said, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not, notice verse 5, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them, notice this, what he says, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. I've heard people say, well, yeah, but you know, God did stuff like that in the Old Testament. But we're under the New Testament and under the covenant of grace. But Peter here writing in the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said that what God did in Sodom and Gomorrah, in Sodom and Gomorrah, he said that he, he made them an example of those that afterwards, even up until this day, would live ungodly and do and practice what they were doing and practicing there i got to preach this message tonight before the liberals get in. <laughs> but that's what the scripture said. But notice verse 7, And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. For the Lord knows how to deliver the godly. I love that. Amen. Amen. For the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust un under punishment to, uh, for that day of judgment. Amen. There's a storm that's approaching. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your presence here. Help us as we minister your word. Give us the words to say as we, as we yield ourselves into the hands of the Holy Spirit that I would just be your mouthpiece tonight, that you would uh, just speak to our hearts, admonish us tonight as you would have us to be admonished, God, by your Spirit. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Uh, people might get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to say it again because we are... This is a fact. We are living in the last days. We are living in those closing, the very closing hours of the church age. Jesus is going to come back for His church very, very soon. And we believe in the, we believe in the coming of the Lord, don't we? We believe in the, uh, the, the, that the coming of the Lord is imminent. That the, the Lord could come at any moment and any time for His church. And uh, we believe also here at Abundant Life, and, and I personally believe, and this is what I teach, and this is what I believe that the Bible teaches, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or catching away of the church before 
the Antichrist is revealed and before uh, this world is ushered into that time of the tribulation period. And we'll look at that maybe a little bit later on uh, in this message. But, but we do believe that the Lord could come at any time. And I do believe in, in a rapture. And there's not a whole lot of preachers anymore that are preaching about the coming of the Lord. Seems like they've found a lot of other things to talk about and not to talk about the coming of the Lord or the rapture of the church. And, uh, but we do believe in a rapture. We do believe that it's going to take place and that it could happen at any time. Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And this is the first resurrection. Rapture and resurrection are synonymous terms. And he said, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain. I, I, I believe it's so close that we could be uh, among those that are alive and remain when the Lord comes back and the trump of God sounds. And he says, We that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with those sainted dead that have been raised um, from their graves. We'll be caught up together with them uh, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that word caught up is the Greek word harpazo, and it means to snatch up, it means to seize or to carry off by force. And that's exactly what's going to take place at what we call the rapture of the church. It means to carry, take a person from one place or sphere of existence and to transport them to one place, from one place to another place. And that's exactly what the Lord is going to do very soon at the rapture of the church. He's going to take the church out of this world. And I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about, you know, whether it's a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church or a Methodist church or whatever. But I'm talking about the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which includes every individual that's name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and that has been born again by His Spirit and is indwelt by the living Christ. Every believer, every born again believer that is looking for and expecting His appearing is going to be translated, transformed and translated to be caught up to be with the Lord in heaven. Amen. We're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking forward to that. And there's not any prophecies that have to be fulfilled that I'm aware of for the rapture to take place. There are a lot of prophecies yet to be fulfilled before the Lord comes back to this earth and what we know as the, uh, referred to and know as the second advent or the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when He comes back to this earth to set His feet upon the Mount of Olives to fight against the armies of the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon. That's going to take place seven years, at least seven years after the catching away. But there are prophecies that have to be fulfilled before the literal second coming of Christ to the earth. But as far as the catching 
catching away the rapture of the saints. There's nothing that has to be fulfilled. Listen, Paul in the New Testament and the other New Testament writers, but especially the Apostle Paul, admonished those saints and the churches of that day to be expecting and looking for the coming of the Lord at any moment, at any time. He didn't say there was anything that had to take place before the rapture could occur. And so they were, they were admonished to look for it then. How much more should we be when we're in the final hours of the final days of this church age? We need to be aware that there's, there's, there's a coming storm and Jesus is coming back to take His church and to get His bride, to take His bride to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I don't know about you, but I want want to be a part, and I believe anybody that's here on a Sunday night wants to be a part of that bride and make up that bride of Christ and hear the trump of God and go to be with the Lord when He comes. Can I get an amen tonight? Praise God. He's coming back. I don't think we, we, we preach about that enough. And, uh, you know, I, we, we need to, as ministers of the gospel, and especially as a pastor, I need to keep that, that fact before you all the time. Jesus was always admonishing people and giving parables and teachings throughout His ministry, admonishing them, you know, telling them, you don't know what day, what hour the Lord's coming, but He always told them, watch, be watchful, be ye ready, for you don't know the day, you don't know the hour, you don't know the time. So we need to be ready. He's coming back for His church. Can I get an amen? I'm looking forward to that. But uh, tonight, you know, we, we want to be aware of that. And the, the scriptures that I read to you from Genesis and from what Jesus said in Luke and then from what Peter said, this, these passages of scripture give us a graphic description of what happened during the days of Noah. And Jesus described those days of Noah as, as uh, uh, he, he described them as living in a culture where there was no thought given to God or to the consequences of one's activity. That was kindly the, the mindset of that culture. The imagination of their heart was only evil continually. They didn't have God in their thoughts or in their consciousness at all. And they, they seemed to have no regard to any, of the, any consequences that would come upon them for the lifestyle or the way that they were living, much like we see in the world that we live in today. Um, there are forces that are in operation today in the world in the, and in this nation um, that are similar to those that were active in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. And Jesus said that this would be the condition that would take place on the earth in the days just before His coming. He said, as it was in the days of Noah as it was in the days of Lot, that would be the same condition that we would see in the days prior to the coming of the Lord. Now, you know, someone would say, well, that, ref that has reference to the second advent. And um, I'm not going to argue that point, but I will say this. If it does, and I'm sure that it does, if it does have reference to the condition of the world before the Lord comes back literally to the earth, we're 
seven years closer than that in the rapture. So um, either way, we know for a fact that we are, are living just by the culture around us, the evil around us, the condition of this world in which we're living in today in 2000, almost 2020, in this, in this culture today, by the way that people are living, we know, we know, listen, we know we're in the last days. And, and the, the, the evil and the wickedness and the corruption of this world, and especially of the United States, has degraded so much. In, just in the last 10 years, we have saw such a downward spiral and downward turn in people's, in the lifestyles, in, in what people are living, not only in the world, yes, in the world, but I mean even in the, within the church as well. Are you listening to me tonight? Amen? So there was, in the days of Noah, there was an acceleration of sinfulness. Isn't that what we see? When we read these verses from Genesis, I just read them this morning in my, in my morning Bible reading, and, and we see there an acceleration of sinfulness. When the Lord looked down and He saw that the wickedness of man, it said, was very great in the earth. He's, every thought, every intent of their heart was only set on evil continually. I believe we can see that same thing today. I don't know how many people, uh, how many people there were on the earth. There are different estimates of how many people there were on the earth at the times of Noah, but it was it was in the millions and uh, millions of people that were on the earth, and um, and and the the sin had just so accelerated. But today, what are we more over seven billion people on the earth today, and um, and and you know so so sin and ungodliness. Uh, abound in, in this nation and throughout the entirety of the world. The moral atmosphere that we're in is, is completely under the control of the powers of darkness today. And people are just on that, on that so-called toboggan slide, so to speak, uh, into hell. Uh, over two million kids run away from home every year. Um, the statistics show that there's over a million teenage girls that become pregnant annually. And 5,000 teenagers commit suicide every year. That's a staggering thing when you think about it. That's just teenagers that are taking their own lives. Uh, over a million young people between the ages of 6 and 15 are involved in prostitution. And every single day, 33,000 um, uh, 33, Americans contract a sexually transmitted disease. Every day, 5,000 people try cocaine for the first time. And one and a half, over one and a half million unborn babies are murdered by the abortionists in abortion clinics every year in this nation, which is an atrocity to this nation, and the blood is on the hands of the leaders of this nation. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it boldly, the blood of those unborn babies is on the hands of Christians that vote those people into office as well. Amen. I told you, buckle your seatbelt. We're getting... <laughs> but that's the truth. So we're living in an evil time, and we're living in a time when the Apostle Paul even said 
that in the last days, he said, evil men and seducers would grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So in this uh, decline, this decline of morality, in this acceleration of sinfulness, we see today a lack of spiritual separation. And that, you know, that's one of Satan's most successful devices is that device of compromise. You know, a lot of times, and, and most of the time, that's what Satan will do. If he can just get us to compromise our beliefs a little bit, uh, you know, he can lead us astray. But in both Noah and Lot's time, there was a lack of spiritual separation. And that's what Satan's out to do today. If he can delude God's people into abandoning our position on separation from sin, then he has been successful in accomplishing his plan. Because Satan's plan for defeating and disarming the people of God is the same today as it was in Noah's day. He hasn't got anything different. He's the same old devil. He's working the same plan. He's doing the same thing. And he his plan today was just as it was then. That's why Jesus said, as it was in those days, so shall it be in the days when the Son of Man comes. And that plan of Satan is to produce an unholy mixture with the church and the world. And we see that today, you know, happening all the time. The enticement that Satan brings against the children of God, against the world, to be friendly with the world, to become a friend with the world, to love the world, to conform to the world. And there's a process there. You know, we become friendly with the world and uh, just a little bit, but then we begin to fall. You know, friendship then leads to a love of the world. And then once we begin to love the world and the things of the world, it isn't long till we become conformed to the world. And that's exactly what's happening in many lives of many Christians today. But, I, you know, rather, we, we as believers today, we need to be separated from the world and the things of the world and the lifestyle of the world and the ungodliness and the wickedness of the world. We have got, as the church, we have got to take our stand for righteousness and for godliness and for holiness, amen? And be what Jesus wants us to be, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. And we have the message of good news to bring to those who are bound in sin. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna win the world by becoming like the world. We're gonna win the world by being separate from the world, but by telling them about the cure for their sin, which is Jesus Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. Praise God, amen? So we are not to emulate and imitate the world and do what the world does, but there is a, a lack today, a lack of spiritual separation even within the body of Christ. There is a lack of, of moral standards. 
within the church today. And I'm not, I'm not teaching or preaching legalism today at all. We're not teaching or preaching that you attain righteousness by doing righteous things, but I am teaching and preaching that when you come to know Jesus Christ and Jesus comes to live in you, that he makes you a new creation, a new creature in Christ, and that he imparts and imputes his righteousness to you. And because of that, because of that fact, you will live a righteous, godly, holy, sanctified life. You will have the desire to do so. The things you wanted to do before, you just don't want to do anymore. How many can say amen to that? And so lifestyle change. But there's become a lack of moral standards and we're living in a, in a, in a time where the idea is that anything goes. And that's the way it was in those days of, of Noah when the wickedness of man, it said, was great, when the imagination, the thoughts that he had were only evil continually. The Bible said that the whole earth was corrupt, that all flesh had corrupted its way. And the earth, verse 13 of that sixth chapter said that the earth was filled with violence the cup of iniquity had become full. Can you see the, the violence? I mean, I've never saw so much. We've never experienced so much violence that's in the world today and in this nation today. And so the cup of iniquity had become full. And God told Noah, my spirit will not always strive with man. Isn't that what he said? And so that's when he told Noah that, you know, the cup of iniquity had become full. And, and uh, God's very, you know, he's very long-suffering, but the long-suffering of God finally reached an end. And God told Noah that he was going to destroy that he was going to destroy a man that he had created from off the earth because of the sin and because of the iniquity that, uh, that, had, that man had given himself, mankind had given themselves over to. But the Bible said that Noah found grace. I love that. There's, there's always some grace. Somebody said, well, grace is just a New Testament uh, doctrine. But no, God showed grace in the Old Testament as well. And Noah found grace. He was one man. Out of all the millions on the earth, there was one man that still walked with God and feared God and loved God. God's always got a people. Can I get an amen? He's always got a people. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible said in verse 9 that Noah was a just man and he was perfect in his generation. Doesn't mean that he was sinlessly perfect, but he was, he was following God with all that he had. And it said that Noah walked with God. That's what we need today. We need a group of people that will walk with God. In this evil, wicked day we live in, give us some people that will walk with God. Because listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, the standard that God has given to us is no different than it ever was. It's no different than it was in the Old Testament. It's the same in the New. As a matter of fact, that the, the standard of holiness and righteousness is even greater under the new covenant than it was under the old because Jesus said unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. God hasn't changed his standard. He is still a holy God. I preached to you last Sunday night that God cannot and it's impossible for him to change who he is and to change his character and he's still a holy God and a righteous God 
God. And he still says, be ye holy for I am holy. And thank God that he has given to you and I the holiness that we need, the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ that we can walk uprightly and live a life that is pleasing unto him. He's not told us to do something and then not given us the the power and the ability to to live the way he wants us to live. That under the old covenant, they didn't have that. They had the law said, this is what you shall not do. This is what you shall not do. But they didn't have the power to do it. Thank God it's different under the new covenant. Now we have Christ living on the inside. We have the perfect man that came and lived that life and fulfilled the law. And now he's come and taken up his residence in us and lives in us and walks in us. And he wants us to walk with him just as Noah walked with him. Amen? So we've got to maintain that separation. But we see this. In these last days, the lack of moral standards. That's the way it was in Noah's day. There were no moral standards in that day. That's the way it was the same in the days of Lot. The days of Lot. Are you with me? It was the same way. Homosexuality was predominant in the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you, how many is with me on this? Um, and this, and I, I made this statement one time. And a fellow nailed me right after the service and told me I was wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm open to correction. But I wasn't wrong. But homosexuality was the predominant sin in Sodom and Gomorrah and was the reason for its destruction. That was the thing he had issue with and told me, no, that wasn't the case, that God didn't destroy them because of homosexuality. And he took me to a verse of Scripture in Ezekiel that talked about the sin of Sodom being pride and fullness of bread. And you all know where that Scripture's at. And yeah, that was a reference to the things that were in Sodom, but the, but the sin that brought the judgment of God. Are you listening to me? The sin that brought the judgment of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah was not just idleness and pride and fullness of bread, but because of those things, it was, it was, it was the sin that, that was in, they were involved with, with corrupting their flesh and being involved in homosexuality and homosexual activity. Peter brings that out. And listen, listen. Peter, in the text that I read to you, he said that God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow and made them an example unto those that should live, uh, should live un- afterwards live ungodly. But listen to what Jude says. Peter has said that, that, that Sodom and Gomorrah, God made an example of them to those who would live ungodly after that. So we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, and and listen to me, saints of God, this is not real popular in this day. This used to not bother Christians. Now it's hard to talk about this in the church even today because of the acceptance that, that, you know, see, Hollywood is demon-possessed. 
I got an amen there, amen. But they are, and they're trying their best to, to force us. And that's the, pro- you see, that's the problem with the gay agenda today. That's the problem with the LGBTQ, is that what it is? Rod Vincent can't never remember it. He just calls them BLTs. But the, the LBGT, you know, that the agenda that they have is not just, you know, yeah, they want their rights and all this, but they want you and I to accept what they practice. They want us to agree with them. They want to hold positions in our churches. They, you know, that, 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 that's the thing that they're after today. That's why that uh, Beto said that, and, and I think Warren did too, but that's why they said that it, any church that does not support that agenda would lose their tax exempt status. That they'd have to, they would be taxed. And so, you know, this is the threats that they always make. But I'm going to tell you what. Listen to me, saints. I don't know when it's going to come to that, but I do know this: it is going to come to that. It will eventually come to that, where we will have to take a stand uh, on the Word of God against this agenda, because. We're living in the last days. We're going to have to take a stand against that. If they, listen, if they revoke the tax-exempt status, how many believes we serve a God that is able to take care of us? It don't matter. We don't need their handout. But we cannot bow our knee. We cannot bow before that image, amen, and accept that that agenda. And that's what they're after today is to force us to accept their sin. Listen to me. I pray for them. I love them. I will treat them cordially. I would never mistreat an individual that's in that lifestyle. I'll show them the love of Jesus, but I will not compromise and accept their sin as being right. I can't do that. The Word of God is against that. And that's, that was what Jesus said as it was in the days of Lot. But listen, listen to what Jude said. I didn't read that verse yet, did I? Jude, Jude verse 7, 1 and 7. Here's what Jude said. I was, and I was making reference to the point that this guy came to me and said that I was wrong. I said, well, that is the reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was because of that, that particular sin. Listen, that whole area was engrossed with it's, 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 it's just like it's like it's being done today. The same thing. That whole area was just taken over with homosexual activity in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and it, was, it was just accepted. Lot was vexed by the filthy lifestyle of those that were there. But listen to what Jude said. Jude gives us the answer, and he says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around about them, in like manner... Now listen, here was the sin that Jude said that destroyed them. They gave themselves over to fornication, and it wasn't just ordinary fornication, and going after strange flesh. And they are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 
Are you, are you seeing that tonight? So that, you know, that, that, that tells us right there through in the New Testament that that was the sin that caused God to rain fire and brimstone down upon that city and, uh, and destroy those that were there was because of that sin. Now, we're living under, the, under the, a different dispensation, yes. We're living under grace. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, God is long-suffering, not willing any should perish, but all come to repentance. And we're, we're seeing the long-suffering of God right now. But see, what happens is people mistake the long-suffering of God for a license. They mistake the long-suffering and the patience of God for God's approval. But just because God's being long-suffering doesn't mean that he's approving of the act or of the lifestyle. He's giving them opportunity to repent. But listen to what I'm telling you today. There will come a day, there will come a time as this thing accelerates, as we become as a nation and as a a world more corrupt and more vile and more ungodly, the just judgment of God will come. It will fall. A holy God cannot uh, abide sin and withhold judgment forever. The judgment will come on this nation one day. I don't say that with any pleasure. I pray for America. We in our prayer meetings pray for this nation. We need a move of God. We need a revival. We need a spiritual awakening today. We need the church to wake up. Hallelujah and get on Far from God. Amen. Amen. You know, people are saying, oh, we need prayer back in school. Get prayer back in school. Get prayer back in school. Get it in the church. Get prayer in the church first. We got, we got millions of Christians don't pray at all, and they're wanting it back. They're wanting the kids to pray in school, but they won't come to a prayer meeting. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Won't come around an altar and pray. That wasn't in my message. <laughs> but we need, we need God to do something. We, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. There was a lack of spiritual discernment in those days. In Sodom and Gomorrah, in Noah's day, The people didn't recognize the times. Remember what Jesus said, the text I read to you said that as it was in those days of Lot, as it was in those days of Noah, he said they ate and they drank and they married and they were given in marriage. They were going about their merry way. They were continuing just to carry on business as usual in their life. And they they, they were totally oblivious to the fact that there was a storm that was coming. That there was a storm that was approaching. They didn't recognize, they were not aware that the judgment of God was soon going to overtake them. Jesus said that up until the day that Noah entered the ark, up until the very day that Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, they continued on in their lifestyle, not moved by anything. And listen, the Bible says concerning concerning Noah that he was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching to them. And, 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 but yet, yet even though they, God had given those people a preacher to preach to them, they went right on with their life, unconcerned about their future. 
Noah's preaching was rejected. Noah's preaching was spurned. Noah's preaching was refused. And that's the same thing we see taking place in the world today. There is very, very little respect today for this book or for the preaching of the Word of God. And people just come and go and take... I, listen, I preach my heart out. And I found out something that, that it's not just here in Farmington, but it's, it's taken place everywhere. Preachers are getting up and preaching their hearts out to people that still are unconcerned and go go on and do what they want to do anyway. It's a dangerous time that we're living in today. Amen. And so there's so many that, 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 that don't want to hear the Word of God. There's just not a fear of God today as there used to be. When we first came into church and got saved, I mean, there was a, there was a fear of God. There was a reverence. There was a respect for God. But people today have become so blinded to the truth and to the demands. They've come, become blinded to the demands of a holy God. And they've become blinded to the fact that we are approaching a time of judgment that the Lord is coming. There's a rapture taking place. I'm going to tell you the, the majority of the church don't believe in a rapture. Look at this crowd here tonight. And it's per, this is pretty good for a typical Sunday night crowd in a lot of churches. But if people believe if Christians that were here this morning really believed Jesus could come at any time they'd be back in the house of God tonight wanting to get closer to the Lord Jesus. The there's something wrong. Satan has blinded the minds of, a, of, of so many people. They can't see. There's a storm approaching. The preachers are preaching. The preachers are preaching. Noah was preaching, but they mocked him and ridiculed him and went on their merry way and said, there's never been anything like that. Don't tell us there's going to be a flood. They mocked and laughed at him up until the day that he and into that ark and the door was shut and the rain began to fall but then it was too late listen we can't wait till the storm gets here we got to know that it's on the way and we got to live for Jesus like we've never lived for Jesus before oh hallelujah 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 help us Lord the storm is coming. The flood was coming, but they weren't ready. Noah preached, but they wouldn't listen. But as long as that door was open to the ark, there was a chance. There was a chance of salvation, but here was the thing. Nobody took it. Nobody went in. Nobody believed the preaching. Amen? I don't know, you know, somebody said, well, this is kind of a discouraging message. You kind of encouraged me. <laughs> because when I see people doing the same thing today, I said, well, Jesus said that it would be like that. The rapture of the great tribulation period are on the horizon. The, the re revelation of the Antichrist is in the very near future. The spirit of lawlessness is at work now. And very soon, as soon as the church is taken away, the restrainer of lawlessness is taken away, that man of sin will be revealed. We don't know how long after the rapture it will be before the man of sin is revealed, but 
as soon as the church is taken away, shortly thereafter, the Antichrist will come on the scene. You, I just finished reading the book of Revelation this past week while we were camping and, and, and just, just re, in remembrance and refreshing my memory on, on the judgments from Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 19, the judgments and the wrath of God that's going to be poured out. And the, church is not, the church is not subjected to the wrath of God. We're going out of here that we won't, we, we, he's not ordained us to wrath, thank God, but to be saved, to come out of that. But there is wrath of God. There's gonna be a complete and total change. Will people be saved? during the tribulation. I believe they will. I believe the Bible bears that out. But it's going to be a completely different thing during the tribulation after the church is gone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't want to miss the rapture. I pray that everybody here is ready for the coming of the Lord. I pray that everybody in Abundant Life Church would get on fire for Jesus Christ and live for the Lord like never before. Because he's coming back. He's coming back and he's coming back soon. And, and, and that terrible storm of tribulation is going to come upon this earth in a terrible way. That door of that ark of salvation is open today just as it was in Noah's day, but it was ignored that time. at that time. You know, here's something else about Noah's day that I'm seeing today as well. In Noah's day, there were only a few that were saved. How many were saved? Eight people out of millions. There were eight. Peter bears that out, but only a few, that is eight souls, were saved in Noah's day. I know. We hear reports of revivals we're 15, 20 people getting saved in one service. And I pray that's true. Amen. But I'm going to tell you this. Everybody that answers an altar call doesn't get saved. You know, that's the problem sometimes with evangelists. You've heard the term evangelistically speaking. Well, sometimes evangelistically speaking, evangelists will have 20 people come to an altar and they'll say 20 people got saved. But that doesn't mean 20 people got saved. Because only time will tell. We had a lot of people in a revival here two years ago that came and said they got saved. Did they? The fruit did not bear out that they did, no. There was no fruit of repentance. And, and that's what John said. I'm, I'm not meandering. I'm not following the rabbit trail. I'm, 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 I'm trying to teach y'all something. But that's what John said when they came to his baptism. They said to, uh, John said to them, you need to bring forth fruit to show that you've truly repented. Then you can be baptized. But um, there were few that were saved in Noah's day. I believe that's the case today, at least in America. There are a lot of people. There's great revivals taking place in other nations of the world. People are getting saved. There are some pockets and places in America where the Holy Spirit is moving um, in certain areas and revivals taking place and people are getting saved and healed. But it's not a nationwide thing. Amen? 
But I think, I believe personally, that it's one of those things concerning the times we're living in. We're in those wicked, evil times. There's compromise within the body of Christ. Um, the church has basically, a lot of the church has become lukewarm. And uh, we're just not where we need to be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. The world's headed toward judgment, but it doesn't realize the magnitude and the force of the storm that it's facing because people are just not seeking God. When, you have, when we have Christians that are unconcerned about spiritual things, that are offended at the least little thing, that are gossiping and talking and running Christians down and all this, getting mad, running from church to church, there's something wrong with their spiritual condition. They're not where they need to be with the Lord. Are you judging them? No, but Christians don't act like that. At least Bible Christians don't. But listen to me. There's, there's an approaching storm. It's coming. It's coming to the United States. It's coming to this world. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. God's called me for this hour. I've often, I've often told the Lord, my, my parents were married for a, a number of years before they had me. And I thought, Lord, why couldn't I have been born back in the, the glory days of revival? Been a part of those big tent meetings. But God's got me here for this day and this time and this hour today. Amen? And uh, I, 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 I want you all to pray for me that I'll never compromise this book. Because see, that's the temptation that Satan brings to pastors. Because he'll show a pastor a church doing it this way over here and look how many people they got on Sunday morning. And then, you know, but, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can't let up on the Word of God. So there is an approaching storm. I, I'm, I'm here to be, I believe, a watchman on the wall. I'm here, that's what God's called me to be. I don't claim to be a prophet of God. I don't claim to have a prophetic ministry. But I do believe this that God has given me a prophetic message. Not a message of Bible prophecy per se, but a prophetic me message. You know, you know how the... Take Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Amos and Micah and those prophets in the Old Testament. They weren't, they weren't just all the time prophesying future events. Their prophetic message was calling God's people back to God. That had drift, those that had drifted from God, calling them back to God. That was, the main, that was the message of Jeremiah for 40 years. That was the message of Micah. That was the message of Amos. That was the message of Isaiah. Read Isaiah chapter 1 and find the crux of his message. And I do believe that God, and, and, and that's just what I feel that God has given me, that, that God has given me a prophetic message to, to do what I can to, to, to call the church back to where we need to be to bring us to a place of repentance, to get us on fire for God, to get us in a place where we love Jesus more than we've ever loved him before, that we'll be a people that are ready to escape the coming 
coming storm that's approaching so rapidly that we'll be ready for the rapture. And I've said it before, the day after the rapture, I pray that anybody that shows up at Abundant Life Family Church would be a visitor and not a regular because I'm trusting that everyone that's a part of this church will be rapture ready and will hear the sound of the trump and will escape, escape those things that are coming. So there is an approaching storm, but thank God there's an active Savior today. We still have a Savior. Can I get an amen? Said that he saved Noah. Peter said that the flood came, but he saved Noah. And then he delivered Lot. And he said the Lord knows how to deliver the godly. You know, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. When God saw the sinfulness of the world, he, had, he found some grace in Noah, and Noah found grace in him. God provided the way of escape, and I'm, I'm bringing this to a close, but God provided the way of escape for both these men. I believe they're types. They're types. Noah escaped the wrath by getting in the ark. Is anybody here? Woo, hallelujah, I felt that. Hallelujah. He escaped the judgment by getting in the ark. And God always provides a way out if we will only do what He tells us to do and listen to Him. Noah was spared the judgment. Lot was rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't die in that overthrow of those two cities. And the Lord is consistently trying to rescue us from the consequences of sin. And I'm telling you, God has provided a way out of the storm that's coming. We don't listen. We, I'm not preaching this message to cause anybody to be afraid of what's going to happen. Because I don't believe that as Christians we should be afraid of the future at all. I believe that's why concerning the rapture, those verses concerning the rapture that Paul said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Because there is a way out. There is a way of escape. And I know those, there are those that, that make fun of us who preach the rapture and they say, well, you know, we just preach uh, pie in the sky religion. We're too afraid to go through the, the, the time of tribulation that's coming. So, you know, we want a way out because we're just sissified. Well, you know, they can go through all that tribulation they want to. They can be here for all the wrath of God they want to. Jesus has provided an ark for me and you. Jesus has provided a way of escape for us. Jesus even said in Luke 21, 36, Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. God has provided a way out. He's provided an ark of safety. He's provided uh, a, a place for us that we can escape the coming storm and the coming wrath through Jesus Christ. Who's the ark? There's only one ark. Noah didn't build two or three. There was only one ark. There was only one way. There was only one way that they could escape that storm. They had to get on that ark. Amen. And there's only one way Amen. that you and I or anybody else is going to escape the coming storm. We got to get on the ark, which is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ. He's going to take us out of here. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. He's going to take us out of here. But we must be ready. We must be ready. Worship team, you can make your way back. Listen, we're, we're closer to the Lord's return today than we've ever been before. The world is ripe. The world is ripe. Now, you hear what I'm about to say. The world is ripe for the revealing of the Antichrist. They're in the right place to accept that individual that will come on the scene empowered by the devil, empowered by Satan, will bring peace to the Middle East, will sign a seven-year peace treaty between Israel and the Arab nations. The whole world will wonder after him. He will actually be able to do signs and miracles and wonders. The world is ripe for that coming of the Antichrist. But listen, there's only one thing tonight that is hindering that Antichrist from being revealed, and that is the presence of the church of Jesus Christ in the earth. And when that church is removed, here's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 6, he said, Now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth and destroy with the brightness of His coming. The restrainer of lawlessness in the world today is the church. But the reason that lawlessness, you know, Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many wax cold. Because the, lawless, the reason lawlessness is abounding today is because the salt has lost its saltiness. And the church has put its light under a bushel. And the effectiveness of the church has waned. We're not what we need to be, folks. Listen to me. I, I know we want to be tickled and we want to be excited and we want, yeah, yeah, there's blessings in Christ. But we as a church, Christians have got to come to the place where we're once again the salt and the light. But as soon as that church, those believers are raptured out, that Antichrist will be revealed. So are we ready? Are we sure? Are we where we need to be with the Lord? Somebody wrote this. I got this a long time ago. I don't know anymore where I found it. But it said, out of all the church members in America, and I want you to listen to me. This is, I'm ending right here. Out of all the church members in America, 10% of them can't be found. I got some of those. 20% never attend church. 25% never pray. 30% never read their Bible. 40% never give to the church. 50%, now we're talking about church members in America, 50% never attend a Sunday night service. 85% never attend a midweek service or a revival service. 95% have never led a person to Christ. 
and a hundred percent all think they're going to heaven. Help us, Jesus. There's a storm approaching. We better be ready. Father, we love you tonight. We give you praise.